Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. Hi, my name is Christy. I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of a peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the word of God. This, this is the word of God. Make sure my microphone's on. It's on. Hey! <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Try that. You recognize that? Say it back. Merry it's actually okay during this season to be merry. To have this joy that God has given us. One thing I wanted to share with you as we get rolling here, a couple weeks ago we came to you and said that instead of volunteering for the food pantry, um, because we have a lot of volunteers during the Thanksgiving and Christmas food give, we would love for you to give monetarily. And we had kind of an expectation right around $3,000. $12,000 came in. And rest assured, that money is going to be utilized for our food pantry because that's what we asked you to give to. And so that'll be going to continue to bless. And so the people who come and we're able to feed during the holiday season will also be blessed in another way. Isn't that fun? I also want to take a moment. Um, Last few days have been tragic for many across the United States. Um, Some people that we love dearly um, who moved away from here into Kentucky lost their home. They're okay. They were away. Their father was inside the home and he was okay. But the home was gone. So this hits close to home for many of us. And so we want to take a moment and pray. God would be with and that Jesus' name would be glorified in the midst, and that God's people would show up. So God, we just thank you. We know that in times like this, humanity has a way of coming around one another. I wish we did that better all the time. But Lord, we pray for our friends today. We pray for families. We pray for strangers. We pray for those we know and we don't know who have lost so much. Not just material things that can be replaced, but lives, loved ones. So God, as that phone rings and won't be shut off, 
We pray you would hear our prayer. We pray you would hear our heart. We pray that you would hear the cry of your people who are standing in the gap for all of those. The Holy Spirit, you would come and be their peace. You would come and be their comfort. You would come and be present like you are with us. That you would bring into their lives people who can not only walk the journey with them, that can be a part of the hope because of Jesus. They can bring Jesus into that space. Pray, Lord, that in the midst of tragedy, many people will come to know you as their savior because we actually need you to make it through these times. And so God, we pray for them. Our hearts are heavy for them. We don't have to know them to be heavy. So God, I just pray that you would hear our prayers and in everything, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but at Christmas time, there's usually a song that when I hear it, I know it's Christmas. It takes me back, right? To childhood, it takes me, it's just like, boom, when that song hits, it's like, it's gotta be Christmas because that song's playing. Do you have that song? Like if you were to come up with that in your head right now, that song, that at Christmas time, you, and it doesn't have to be like a carol, okay? It could be totally secular and we're not gonna judge you. Because mine is. What's that song? If you get that song, the first song that came to your mind when, when I said, man, there, until I hear this song at Christmas, it's just not really Christmas, right? Even though we know Christmas is way more than songs. What song was it? Oh, Holy Night. Silent, well, that's real spiritual, all of you. <laughs> Put the pressure on. Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell Rock. That's what you were going to say. Have yourself a merry... All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> Little Mariah Carey. I, I did. I did. Which one? Ode to Joy. Yes. <laughs> Rock around the Christmas tree. Drummer boy. Oh, and when churches get out the drums and do special drum presentations during that, I love that. Do you hear me, Alex? I love that. You know, Feliz Navidad, yes, for sure. Muppet Christmas. I'm in. Rudolph the Red Nose Rain. Don't, because everybody wanted to jump right in. Katie? Wonderful, yes, for sure. And you raised your hand, and I appreciated that. <laughs> what else? White Christmas, yeah, that's, that's, I'm dreaming of a white, I don't, I actually hate white Christmas, <laughs> snow go away, Anheim Steamroller, man, the list, 12 days of Christmas, right, you gotta sing all of them, John, yeah, and I'm glad you said that because I'm going to play mine and it, it's stark contrast to that, to that. This is mine, every Christmas. Come on. Let it play.
Oh, man. Merry Christmas. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I don't know how people do Christmas who aren't followers of Jesus. And that's not a judgment. It's not a judgment at all. It's just, man, when you understand what this is all about, you can laugh at those moments, realizing that, man, sometimes we just need to be reminded, don't we? We need to be reminded. And that's what Advent is really all about, is this reminding. We're in the series, God with. Aren't you glad that God came to be with? I'm going to try that again. This is participatory. You've already figured that out. We're singing Blue Christmas on a Sunday morning. This is participatory. Matter of fact, let me do this before we, no, let me wait on that. Let me wait on that. Aren't you, right? Aren't you glad? Welcome back, right? Any other ADHD folks in the room that just follow me the whole way. I have people come up and say, I have no idea where you're going. I have other people come up and say, man, I was with you. <laughs> On every journey, we were together, right? God with. Aren't you glad that God came to be with? Right? There we go. Because here's the deal. If he doesn't, we are living in counterfeit hope, counterfeit joy, counterfeit love, and counterfeit peace for the rest of eternity if he doesn't come to be with. But because he comes to be with, we get real hope, real joy, real peace, and real love. And so that's why this is so important. Advent, let me tell you what Advent is because I think sometimes we get confused. What is it? And, and it's important that we, as we go in, we understand Advent is the celebration of the incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh, to be with. How many of you struggle in the current day we live in because of busy and hurriedness, you struggle to be present? Raise your hand. Many of us, Jesus comes to be present with his people. Matter of fact, we just sang, it's his presence that changes us. It, you'd be surprised as a follower of Jesus how your presence because of Jesus in you can change situations. It's his presence that changes us. The incarnation, a time to wonder at how God stepped down from heaven who, excuse me, wrapped himself in flesh and entered our world through the door of a mother's womb. In this busy season, do we dare slow down enough to allow wonder? Now, let me say something here. This is where I wanted to say this. When I speak of wonder, I'm not talking about the kind of wonder that screams in this moment that this is the greatest time of the year. Where we're talking about the exclusion of the circumstances that for many of us make it not so wonderful. That for some of us, blue Christmas is actually a real thing because of loss, because of people who are not here, because of brokenness, because of hurt. And I wanna do something because we're a family. And when we cease to be a family, we're missing everything God made this to be. You would say, hey, this Christmas is gonna be hard. And I don't have to tell you the reason, but I just know it's gonna be hard. Would you stand? Because I wanna pray with you through this season that's you, man. This will be a hard season. We're family. We can do this together, can't we? You can just, you stand up with me right now. This is going to be hard. Whether it's a loss, whether it's a broken relationship, whether it's something, this is just going to, this, this doesn't feel like the greatest time of the year. Matter of fact, probably for all those people whose homes and lives were destroyed in the last few days, this won't be the greatest time of the year. But what we can do in this moment is get our eyes off of our circumstances, above our circumstances to see what this is really all about, that there is a God who came to be with every one of you standing in the midst of where you are. 
And so God, we come right now in this moment for those who have stood, for whatever reason they stand, not to rush them out of this space and say, you have to enjoy Christmas, but to actually invite you to be with them in the midst of it, knowing that our joy doesn't come from our circumstances, but it comes from you. And so Jesus, come alongside and may they know that there is a family right here, right now with their hands stretched out saying that we understand and we're here and we're with you. And so God, may your spirit be just real and present in this space. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being bold and brave. See, see that, listen, there, there is a wonder though. There is a wonder. So we, we don't want to, we don't want to force us to enjoy circumstances that are difficult. So we just call that out, right? But in this busy season, do we dare slow down enough to allow wonder? Because we're prone to lose our wonder. Do you know that? Let me give you some examples if I can. Six flags. You remember when you were little? It's the best place to be. Couldn't wait to get there. The roller coasters, the rides. It wasn't, you didn't think lines. <laughs> right? Your parents thought lines. That's why it's great when you got to be the age you could go by yourself and we could drop you off. I'm not speaking from experience, maybe. <laughs> McDonald's. Let it settle in, man. You were a kid. You couldn't wait to get the Happy Meal toy that's a piece of junk and clutters your house. You know what I'm saying? We're prone to lose wonder. I'll give you another one. As a matter of fact, Tim shared this this morning during communion, driving. I mean, at some point it's like, do I have to drive them again? But when you're young, right, and you get that, you want to drive everywhere. We got a new driver in the house, and I'm like, hey, would you take? He's like, yeah, I would love to take him. I'm like, I love that. It's the wonder, the wonder of driving. Marriage. Tim shared that one this morning as well. I'm stealing all of them, but I'm sitting there going, he's preaching my sermon. I'm going to use some of these, right? There's this, there's this proneness to lose our wonder. And when you think about Christmas, how easy is it, how easy is it to miss it? Do you know when the flood was coming and Noah was building the ark, scholars say that it took anywhere from 50 to 120 years to build. Some say that it actually grew the trees he wanted to use. Don't talk about patience. But the whole time, you know what they're saying? You know what they're telling people? The flood's coming. The flood's coming. The flood's coming. And you know how that started to sound? Wah, wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. Right? But the flood came because God keeps his promises. And Jesus said, I'm coming. And so the early church says, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. That's how they would greet one another. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Don't miss it. Don't get caught off guard by it. Jesus is coming. Christmas is looking back at the fact that he fulfilled his promise and he came. Celebrate it. Don't lose the wonder of it, right? And don't forget he's coming again. Soon and very soon, 
We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. Soon and very soon. We sang this in church growing up. There was an anticipation. It's like, come Lord Jesus. Except for when you were a teen and waiting to get married. It's like, can you just wait? Because back then we believed in abstinence. We waited until marriage. Oh, that's another sermon for another day and not sure why I said that. <laughs> Do we allow this season of waiting become a way to live with a knowing, an awareness that God is doing something new within us and that we are making, he is, we're making space in our lives for Jesus. That's what this Advent thing is all about, making space in your life for Jesus. Because there's many days we get to our pillow and we lay our head down and Jesus is still sitting there saying, at what point will you say hi today? What point will you say good morning? What point will your gratitude come out? Tim Keller said in an article in Christianity Today, seldom do we explore the full implications of how Jesus' radical humility shapes the way we live our lives every day. Gracious, self-forgetful humility should be one of the primary things that distinguishes Christian believers from the many other types of moral, decent people in the world. Keller goes on to say how difficult it is to preach and teach humility. Amen. As soon as we begin to talk about being humble, by definition, we cease to be humble. He says, so let us preach love and grace till humility just starts to grow in us. God's love is at work in us, church. In a world preoccupied with materialism and busyness, we carry this true story of Advent. And Advent is a time to awaken it. Matter of fact, it shouldn't go to sleep, but it does. That Christ is coming, that he has come. And this leading up to Christmas is the acknowledgement that it's true. And we believe it. Everything that we have, it's the story of a loving creator entering into his creation, a creation marked by sin and human frailty. He's describing us. And this entry of God into our broken world, this is the hope that transforms our waiting. Because here's what's true. See, this waiting on the holy birth together reminds us that things are not as they should be in the world. How many of you, if you slowed down, have been able to see the brokenness of our world today? And we can all agree that's not how God intended it. But God's love at work in us allows us to live without fear. That was the syllables. Live without fear. It's in my head that way. I want you to get that. There's too much fear in the church today. We're not modeling living by example. We have Jesus. Live without fear and work to transform the world through Christ now. We're not waiting till heaven. It's now. Can Christmas still change the world? Can the idea of Christmas, can everything that Jesus came to do still change the world? Can it change us? I believe it can. I believe it is. I believe it ought to. If it hasn't already, or have we traded the best story in the world for the story of what's on sale? Consumerism over Christmas. Consumerism over Christ. My way over his way. And one way to avoid the trap of consumerism is to give the gift of presence this year because the gift of presence was given to you. To give the gift of presence this year because the gift of presence, Christmas is the gift of his presence. This is all build up to what I want to say. So get ready. You knew that already though, didn't you? 
Our Advent Devo, Devo that we've been going through here these last few weeks, we're in our, going to our third week. It's not too late to jump in, by the way. If you have failed miserably the first two weeks, who cares? Say, shut up, devil. Stop degrading me and get back in the Devo and start preparing for the coming of Jesus. Right? That's what we're going to do. Our Advent Devo was put together to help you experience the Christmas season in a deeper way. It was designed to help you connect with the coming of Jesus. And we've designed this series, God With, around the four aspects that Jesus' coming brought to the world. Real hope, joy, peace, and love. That's ours today, that we get to experience, not counterfeit. We believe that Advent is the antidote to a hurried holiday. And as a church family, what might happen if we took a slow walk to the manger together? Alex set it up for us couple weeks ago. And since I can't say it like he says it, let me say it exactly like he said it. <laughs> the stars. <laughs> the stars are the reminder for every person who has chosen to take God at his word. They are a reminder of the promises and the character of the one who spoke to Abram. And as the story unfolds, Abram would not be the last to look at those stars and think about the presence of the one who had brought him hope. And so he said, we are a people caught in the in-between, promises made and promises kept. And he will come to us. Goes on to say, prophets straining their souls to hear the voice of God in a world gone wrong, longing for his shalom, that nothing missing, nothing broken, peace, and his righteousness to reign once more, once more, would look at those stars and be reminded of the one who brought peace. Carrie did a great job challenging us that Jesus, the great peacemaker, was not the great peacekeeper, and he calls us to be the same. And then he said, a man named John, a voice crying in the wilderness alone, an outcast would sleep under those stars, thinking about the one whose presence he would spend his entire life preparing the way for out of love. John spends his, get this, because we're talking about this today, his entire life preparing the way for the one that he adored, Jesus. And then next week, we'll get the chance to talk about a young woman named Mary, chosen by God, but misunderstood by the world, would lay in her bed, look out her window at the sky full of stars with her eyes full of tears, but joy in her heart at the presence she now carried and would soon share with the world, Emmanuel, God with us. So well said. Preparing us for what we would step into these next few weeks. You didn't think you could talk about Abram, prophets, John the Baptist, and Mary, and it'd still be Christmas, did you? but you can't because it's all what God is doing to introduce us to him. God with Advent, John the Baptist at Christmas. D.A. Carlson once said in one of his sermons on the gospel of Luke, the humans discover their greatest importance in pointing to Jesus. Whew. Humans discover their greatest importance in pointing to Jesus. Notice I didn't say in pointing to themselves, in pointing to their accomplishments, in pointing to their job description, in pointing to their accomplishments, in pointing to the things that they do for others. Uh-uh. We get our greatest definition of who we are by pointing to Jesus. 
We get our greatest value in who we are by pointing to Jesus. We get our greatest fulfillment in this life by pointing people to Jesus. And I have to say, can I just encourage, some of us do that well. Point people to Jesus. I can't talk to you more than a few moments without Jesus coming up. It's crazy. That Jesus would get the glory and it's humility. It's not put on. Some of us it's put on. And we have to own that and we have to dive in and what that means. See, we see this perhaps most plainly in the life of John the Baptist, a man whose life was set apart for preparing the way for Jesus to begin his ministry on earth. He had the unique privilege of pointing to Jesus physically right there in front of him. Matter of fact, it happens in John chapter 1, 29, as they're both men now. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, John the Baptist, and said, behold the Lamb of God. You remember that moment? He was coming to be baptized and he said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Stop looking at me, but look at him. I baptize with water, but there's one coming that will baptize with fire. I'm about to preach. As we look at Luke 1, I pray we're reminded afresh of God's love for humility. He loved, there's not a phone ringing. There's not a phone ringing. (laughs) He loves to do his work through the humble and lowly. Do you hear me? Look at the scriptures. He loves to do, what, what are we trying so hard for? What are we trying to gain and earn in this life? He loves to do his work through the humble and lowly, those who recognize their deep need for him and also those who are small in the eyes of the world. Do you get that? I think of Moses, I think of David, I think of Mary, I think of Peter, I think of Paul, I think of many of us who have said those lies over our lives that we're not good enough for God to use us, that we've done too much for God to ever love us. We see in the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth and primarily in their son, John the Baptist, who had a large following, but get this, pushed them away from himself and toward Jesus. Some of us need to push our followers away from us into Jesus. Just saying. Now the time came, Luke 1, 57 and 58, for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. The birth of John the Baptist was a big attention grabber for two reasons and I want you to hear this because this should have been something that was just shouted from the rooftops and celebrated in the way that we would celebrate something amazing like this happening in our lives. Of course we would take advantage of this moment to be seen, to be heard. The first reason was the life stage of his parents. They're in their between 60 and 70 years old. Being advanced in years, chapter one, verse seven, and being pregnant don't typically go together. Somebody in their 60s and 70s walking around pregnant, it's like, whoa! <laughs> That's an intention grabber. And this leads Elizabeth, neighbors and relatives to rejoice. They heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. Verse 58, what kind of mercy is she receiving aside from receiving a child in old age? Here's what you got to get. Elizabeth tells us a little bit in Luke 1, 25. She says, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Listen, 
what she is saying is that she's received a disapproval, received disapproval or disappointment from other people for the better part of her life, and it's being taken away. Because in that culture, to be a barren woman was to be looked down upon. And you're told that if you're righteous, you will be fruitful. And so they're battling the tension of the righteousness and the fruitfulness when God all along goes, I know what I'm going to do. You're going to get pregnant in your 60s and 70s, whatever age she was. The second reason John's birth was an attention grabber had to do with the circumstance surrounding Zechariah's temple experience and the naming of his son. Starting in verse 59, and on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father because that's what you do. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by his name. And they made signs to his father because he couldn't speak, and we'll hit that in a second, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. Of course, dad is gonna make sure he's named after himself. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them upon their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. See, listen, Zechariah was met in the temple by an angel who told him that he would have a son and he doesn't believe it. And so he asked for a sign. And because he asked for a sign, he's seen as faithless. And so he is no longer able to speak for the rest of the pregnancy. He can't talk. Angel's like, done. And so neighbors and relatives are getting hit by one thing after another. Not only are the parents very old, but the sh- child seems to already have a name. And this name is not at all what they would have accepted culturally. What are you doing? This is your pride and joy. This is what you need to be shouting from the rooftops. Listen, on top of this, Zechariah has been mute and mysteriously gets his voice back after he defends the name that the angel assigned to his son. So as you can imagine, and get this, Fear was coming on all the people and news of this birth was spreading around all Judea and people began to say, get ready for this. What then will this child be? His birth was the talk of the town. This is a moment for Zechariah and and Elizabeth to capitalize on stardom and fame for their son and for themselves because that's what we would do. (laughs) I'm yelling. It's good to be back. So this is the buildup to Zechariah's prophecy that we heard just a few moments ago. The narrative finally brings us to this question, what then will this child be? And so when Zechariah opens his mouth, I don't know about you, but I would have expected Zechariah to mainly answer that question. That's what we would have hoped that he would have done. What's this child to be? Instead, and get this, instead, instead, Zechariah focuses on a different son, a better birth. And right away, we see that John's birth serves as a sign or a magnifying glass to that other birth, to that better birth. What is he doing? Zechariah knows that the coming of his son means the coming of the son. (laughs) And it's that coming that he's ultimately consumed with. Oh my gosh, that's not me. How many times in our lives have we missed that moment to give God glory and yet we take it for ourselves? Oh, so even here, we're already smelling the sweet aroma of John's life. And though the hype around his birth and his ministry was intense, it always served to magnify Jesus. 
Are you hearing this? And that's what Zechariah does in his prophecy. But before we go there, I need you to hear something from the heart of this church. I wanna pause to apply this by highlighting one particular story about John's public ministry as he grew up that looks just like what we see here in this text. When John appears on the scene as an adult, we immediately see the same hype surrounding him. As people mistake him for the Messiah, people ask him, are you the Christ? You know what he's doing here, right? Are you the Christ? Are you Elisha? Are you the prophet? Giddy, waiting for a response, right? Is this you? And as first John 1, as John 1 20 says, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Not me. Stop looking at me. Stop getting infatuated with me. Many can point to Christ in the Christian church, but keep the praise. Did you hear me? Many of us can point to Christ, but keep the praise. And though John's birth and ministry grabbed the attention of many, John did not himself grab for the attention of others. But man, we live our lives, and I'm just calling it out. And maybe I'm speaking to myself, and I, if I am, that's totally fine. But we live a lot of what we do for the attention of others, for the approval of others, for the accolade and value from others. Not John. He used people's attention and curiosity as a platform for pointing to the one they really should be enraptured by. What an awe by. I love the account in John chapter three. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. This is a problem. This is a problem for your, for your followers, for your reputation, for all that. What you're trying to accomplish, for your fame. You hearing it? These people are wondering if John has a problem with this, that he is losing all of his disciples to this other guy. Here's John's response. You ready? A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me. We should just pause on that one, but we're going to keep going. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Gosh, I want to be like John. I want to be like John. Here's the translation. Let's put it in terms that we can just get bold and in our face. The bride belongs to Jesus, John is saying. The bridegroom, not me. For my whole life, my joy was to try to get his bride ready for him. Not for me, because I love the bridegroom. Man, again. And now that he's here, I'm right behind everybody else listening to his voice. Go, seek his face, bless his name. He is worthy of all our praise and his ways are worth surrendering our lives to follow. Go, be with Jesus. Do you hear John's voice? So the application for us is simply this, point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. Everybody's pointing to something. What are you pointing to? Point to Jesus. 
That's what this Christmas season is a reminder of, that it's about Jesus. We point people to Jesus. The greatest act of love is humility born out of receiving this love of Jesus. Point to Jesus. John the Baptist knew that it would be foolish for anyone to put their hope in himself. Man, can you hear this? And I don't think any of us would sit here and say, put your hope in me. And yet there are times we show up and let people put their hope in us. But I don't think that's what John the Baptist wanted at all. And this is important for all of us to remember, at least everyone who struggles with pride. How many of you in this room struggle with pride? Raise your hand. That should be all inclusive, by the way. Now let me see how many of you really struggle with pride. Ask your neighbor, you'll find out. Because we won't go to that one. But I want you to get this and hear this because God wants many of us in this room, if not all of us, to hear this. Perhaps it is extra important for those who have been gifted with leadership ability those who tend to command a lot of attention. Any type A's in the room? Those who have gifts for counseling others, those who feel a deep need to be needed by other people. Hmm? Listen to me. Humility does not mean downplaying the gifts you've been given to lead, teach, counsel, help other people, but it does mean protecting others from a type of leadership or help that makes you the object of their hope and not Jesus. And we will protect this church from that. Jeremy and I were talking this week and he was talking about a teacher that's been at Moody for over 50 years and he said, man, in 50 years of teaching as you retire, what's the one thing that you could tell me that you would want me to know? And here's what she said, don't let anybody worship you. Don't let it. It's the spirit of John the Baptist. Don't let anybody point to you. You're fallible, you make mistakes. Let them point to Jesus. And I got a lot more to say, but I'm out of time. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. What'd you say? <laughs> Somebody said that, right. Okay, good. <laughs> I love you, Jace. Listen, as you think about Zechariah's prophecy, look at what Zechariah, even the father of, his, of the child, man, there's a bond there. Here's what he's doing as he reads it. And I want you to hear this. Every verse he is pointing, not to his son, but to Jesus. That's the prophecy of Zechariah. That's the, the thing we need to receive. Jesus has visited and redeemed his people. That's what Zechariah is saying. He is our horn of salvation and king forever. That's what he's saying. He is the one spoken about by the mouth of God's holy prophets of old. That's Jesus. He will save us from all of our enemies in the hand of all who hate us. It's Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all God's covenant promises. It's Jesus. From him comes salvation and forgiveness of sins. It's Jesus. He brings light to those suffering in darkness and death. It's a about Jesus, real hope, real peace, real love, real joy. Jesus. It feels like a dream, but it's coming in Jesus. He came in his first coming to deal with sin, the root of everything that's not right in the world, and he's coming again to put the final end, not only to sin, but all the threatening fruit sin has produced in the world. That is good news, and I want to apply this to our lives as we close, and so hear my heart. Jesus is the only one who can save us from the evil around us because he is the only one who can save us from the evil within us.
So what do we do as Christians in a world that is overwhelmed with a thirst for hope, peace, love, and joy? We point them to Jesus. How do you do that? Five ways, real fast. Tell them your story. If you know Jesus, you have a story. If Jesus is freeing your heart, you have a story. If he's healing your wounds, you have a story. It's the gospel. It's God making all things new. Tell them your story. Be consistent. Stop being wishy-washy Christians. Stop being one-day Christians on Sunday, but the rest of the week you look different. Let's stop being everything the world wants us to be, and let's start being everything God wants us to be. Let's stop being political and start being biblical. Let's be consistent. Tell your story. Be consistent and love people. Love them. Four, serve them. It was so cool last night to see people serving first responders, loving them because they deserve that. Our food pantry, serving. People in our ministry, serving. People on the farm, serving. Building a place for people to come, serving. You wanna send a message? Serve. I sat with a police officer last night who said, I heard about your playground and I've been sending people. Tell your story. Be consistent. Love them, serve them, and then pray for them. That's how you point to Jesus. That's how you point to Jesus. He's been away, so we long for him and point each other in this lost world toward the all-encompassing salvation that we will bring, that he will bring when he returns. May the world look at us and see a people who neither look for answers within themselves nor make light of suffering here on earth, but who are filled with the hope of final deliverance from the king who is coming. Who are we to point to? Who are we pointing to? Pointing to the one who said in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is now upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Would you stand with me? One thing I want you to do, I pray you do, I pray we do as a church. We will never be a church that is pointing to ourselves, but we will always be a church pointing people to Jesus. That we will be a church pointing one another to Jesus. How many of you get lost along the way? Raise your hand. How many of you get lost along the way? Raise your hand. We have to have each other in our lives to point each other to Jesus. We point to Jesus. That's what John the Baptist gave his life to. Will you give your life to that? As we sing this song, may this be our prayer. May this be our heart. Point to Jesus. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.